Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Amanda Loudon. Hello, Amanda. Hey, how are you? It's Meb Day. <laughs> yeah, it is Meb Day. It is a, this is big. This is big. Yes, we have for sure. Oh, Oh my goodness, it's just very exciting. Yeah. Oh, so I will I will tell a little bit and then we'll then we'll do a little um chit chat, but yeah, this is our annual Father's Day edition and so it's our tradition to have a father runner on it and this year we landed the mighty father marathoner, the one the only Meb Kafleski. A four-time Olympian Meb is the only person to or sorry, the first person to have won both Boston and the New York City marathons plus an Olympic marathon silver medal. During his illustrious, inspiring career, Meb ran 26 marathons, which is the title of his new book, 26 Marathons, What I Learned About Faith, Identity, Running, and Life for My Marathon Career. So, um, oh, just so excited, and um, I'm trying not to think about it too much, because I'm a little <laughs> nervous. <laughs> Let's distract ourselves. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, we have had a lot of distractions in our life, very pleasant distractions, but um, gosh, your, yeah, your son graduated from high school. Congratulations, yes. Mama. I have yeah. a graduate. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That was, it looked like it was a billion degrees. Oh my gosh. Yes. We kept watching the forecast all week because ours, we do ours outside and mm-hmm. they do, we have 12 high schools in our school system. So they do three a day for four days straight. So oh. we had the three o'clock time slot at, oh. on a 95 degree muggy day in Baltimore. And oh boy. Um, the, I felt the worst for the kids because I mean, especially the boys, they had a long pants, long sleeves, ties, caps and gowns, you know, at least, you know, I could throw on a sundress and, you know, it's, and call it a day, but um, and, and I mean, one great thing though, is, is we do it at this, um, outdoor concert pavilion that we have here in town. So we were all in the shade, I will say, and they mm. have big fans going up on the ceiling of the pavilion. And, um, you know, it was, it was bad, but it, I guess, you know, in the sun would have been <laughs> that much worse. But do they require the, the gentleman to wear pants and they like do. they they do. Wow, that is that's strict. throwing it that's throwing it east coast, man. Yeah. Cause... Oh yeah, it was black pants, black shoes, <gasps> no deviation. You got to have the tie. Yep. Oh, that I, that would literally be unheard of at a public school here. Really? Florida. Like, oh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, I even talking to somebody who was at a um, paro- um, all young women's parochial school, and that they really go crazy on their footwear at graduation because they you know, have to be kind of strict in what else they wear. So they kind of almost have a competition to wear the most outlandish footwear they can. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, yeah, we let our freak flags fly out here. So I don't... <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that's that's thrilling. So um, are you okay with telling people where I know we know that your son had a lot of options for where he's going to go to school in the fall and yeah, yeah, he's he's going to go to the University of Richmond, um, which I think was absolutely his best choice for him. Oh, good. Um, yeah, it was. You know, it. We. I think I, last time we talked, I was in the midst of a flurry of accepted student day yes. appearances, uh-huh. and of all of those, it was the only one I heard him come back and say, you know, I I love this school, and so quietly I was I was hoping to myself that's what he would choose. So um, oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's and it's only, you know, depending on traffic, um, you know, about two and a half to three hours away. So I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, good. Good, yes. good, good. Yeah, does he have any friends from his school going there or no? I don't think he knows a single one going there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, lots of kids go to University of Maryland. Um, but, um, you know, his friends are kind of scattered up and down the East Coast. And, um, 
yeah, he's the only one of his crew that, that's going there. So that's nice too. That was actually one of the things he kind of wanted. He wanted to be, you know, without mm-hmm. people he knew. Um, mm-hmm. So that'll mm-hmm. be fun too. Yeah. Is it a, is it a parochial school? Is it a no, Jesuit school? No, not at oh. all. Um, oh. It's just a good uh, liberal arts um, based school. They have the first leadership school in the country oh. and it's very well recognized. Um, and he will go into the business school, you know, assuming that he stays with the same major, but look at this nice, liberal arts foundation, which I think is perfect for him. Mm-hmm. I ask that because a lot of schools out here that have names like that, like University of Portland, University of San Francisco, Seattle University, those are all Jesuit schools. And um, yeah, my husband clued me in. He's like, you know, that's how you can tell if it's a Jesuit school or not. I'm like, okay, that or the cross over the chapel. But, you know, so, um, yeah. So I just yeah. Yeah, no, he certainly did look at a lot of Jesuit schools out here. Um, and, mm-hmm. and not, I mean, we're not, that's not, we're not Catholic, but um, mm-hmm. it just so happened a lot of the schools he was interested in tended to be Jesuit, um, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, but yeah, no, this one's, this one is non-affiliated and um, mm-hmm. yeah, so it'll be really good. Mm-hmm. And he's, mm-hmm. As we speak, he's at senior week. Is that something that people oh. on the West Coast at all? I do not hear about senior week. No, I know they have a big overnight party, I think, I can't believe it's at the school. I don't know. There's, but no, I don't hear about it. We had senior week at college. Yeah. This is the stupid tradition. (laughs) (laughs) How do you really feel about it, Amanda? (laughs) All these kids go to ocean city for the week. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, you know, they stay together and they do things they're not supposed to do. And they, I was just saying they don't drink or, or smoke weed at all. No. And and so, Mm -hmm. so let me tell you, so Adam, got really lucky because he, the day, so all of his friends went down on Saturday morning. He was staying with a, a group of seven boys. They all went down Saturday morning and he had his final club soccer game. So he wanted to stick around and go down later. And his girlfriend was going down later. She's in another place. And um, so they didn't leave till like eight at night, Saturday mm-hmm. night to drive down. And in, in, in the interim, um, his friends got themselves kicked out of their oh. place. <laughs> oh! So he arrived with no place to stay. Um, oh and, you know, this is what these knuckleheads do. And so he, um, he I, I mean, I guess, I don't know if I should be broadcasting this, but so he stayed with the girls at the girls' house for the night. Uh-huh. Um, and then um, the next day he had another group of friends at another place and they took him in. And um, he's coming back tomorrow. Um, he was never intending to stay for the whole week, which is, you know, I'm thankful for that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, this is just the week that all moms hold their breath. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's also kind of the week where you just go, wow, um, we have crossed over to a new, a, you know, a new world now. This is, this is it. I mean, he's yeah. a- Independence. Yeah. 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 So. I mean, but also what type of down payments do they have to put deposits on like who would rent an Airbnb to a bunch of high schoolers? Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of times parents have to sign, um, mm. you know, I don't mm. even know how ours originally got arranged way back when, um, but a lot of parents have to sign, which is a little bit of a risk. And, you know, yeah. I mean, they, they do these talks with the ocean city police, they come to the County and they talk to all the kids about, you know, we're going to be looking for this and we're undercover and we're going to be doing this, that, and mm. the other, and you will get kicked out. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah. It's a great way for uh, people to make money in Ocean City. You know, they they, <laughs> they they run out to these kids, they kick them out the first night, and they rent new ones the next day. So, oh, scam! I love oh, it is, mom. it is, and it's well known. If you know, so oh, like, no, oh my gosh, I thought you were like conspiracy theorying on us. No, this oh, is no, legit. no, no. It's a well known like. It, oh, it, Joe, yeah, that they, is they look for every reason to get rid of these. Kids. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that is so wrong. It's wrong, oh. but you know, also the it's kids wrong and right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, the things we have to look forward to. Uh <laughs> yes, yes. So what is going on in your world? Oh, um, well, um, Phoebe had to, um, she took the SATs and she got very, she scored very well on it, but immediately she set her sights higher. And so she was set to take them on June 1st and then she suffers from chronic migraines. So okay. she, um, didn't get to, she had a terrible headache the day before and that night. Aww. And so she didn't get to sleep till almost two. And so, Aww. I mean, there's no rush, you know, it's the end yeah. of her junior year. So yeah. I just was like, okay, fine. You know? Yeah. Don't worry about, it. um, you know, we just lost some money on it, but right, say la vie. right. But she's off to the car, um, sounds like, so that's exciting. Yes. Yes. I mean, oh yeah. If she ends, I mean, if that ends up being the only time she takes it, we're, we're happy with those, but she immediately said, you know, oh, I think I can get X and I was like, oh, okay, let's, let's do that. Right. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, my, uh, unfortunately Molly's traveling a lot this month, so I'm running solo more mm. and swimming solo and I'm going to dust off the bike a little bit. And so, um, okay. get out there and do some stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, well, I say, let us get to the Meb conversation. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but please stay with us. Meb, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. So this is our annual Father's Day episode. So let's start by having you tell us about your three daughters, please. Well, I have three daughters. They're uh, Sarah is 13, Fiori is 11, and Johanna just turned nine. So mm-hmm. they are uh, part of my life journey. And obviously, Sarah was born in 2006, mm-hmm. when I, about a month before I debuted at the Boston Marathon in terms of running. And Fiori was born in 2008, uh, but she was very young during the trials. And then mm-hmm. Johanna was... Uh, which it means with blessing victory. And uh, she was born after I won New York City Marathon. And your dance and I are very happy that we have a healthy kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's wonderful that you can um, kind of target their births in where they fit in into your running career. So that yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because I think we've all seen the images of you reuniting with them at the finish line, and so they're kind of frozen in my mind as as, as little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I think especially uh, Sarah when I won New York, she was you know Fiori was young, but uh, Sarah was you know, three years old and change, three and a half. And she goes, mm-hmm. did daddy win? <laughs> there's a picture, there's a picture here screaming that to my her grandma, my mother. And Johanna Fiori is just kind of like in the picture, but she can see the expression. Did he, did daddy win? So, yeah. I uh, love it. I love that because so many of our own kids ask us yes. as mother runners, did you win mom? <laughs> and we get a good laugh out of that one. When, when uh, your children ask that, you can oftentimes say yes. <laughs> I used to, I used to, I used to. <laughs> uh, so Meb, I think everyone knows um, knows you from, from your amazing career and wins, uh, but give us a little bit of a picture of how you got started in running. Well, I started, you know, playing soccer beforehand when I was in Eritrea, which is in Horn of Africa, third world country, uh, the war that was going on. So we didn't have a soccer. We used to make a makeshift soccer stuff and with a long sleeve arm shirt or long socks and stuff with plastic so it can bounce and you have a soccer. Bear in mind, you have to play it on the dirt or gravel. So it gets worn out really quickly. Um, but when 
my dad has to walk over 225 miles to Sudan to save his life and leaving behind a wife and six kids. And then eventually when we got reunited in Italy after five years, my dad's vision was, uh, you know, to play on Saturdays with his kids, work Monday to Friday, and then see if we can, you know, go into the playground. So we used to have a soccer and play uh, on the field, and, but he would warm up around the field for a couple of laps, do stretch and do the jumping jacks and hand movement and pat kicks and things like that. And uh, obviously that was introduced to sport, but eventually we came to the United States in 1987, October 21st, 21st, I feel like it was yesterday, but uh, mm. for just for better opportunities. Uh, you can read more about it on to overcome the journey, but um just came to you know they get educational opportunities and by accident when we lived in an apartment next to Baba park which is in san diego and people were running i'm like and we used to dribble the soccer ball from our apartment to the soccer to the field <laughs> to the park and we're like we see people running i said what are those people running they're not chasing anything they're crazy <laughs> uh, i know i'm gonna be the crazy people running chasing nothing but keep running for 26.2 miles they probably were just doing a 5k <laughs> <laughs> but uh to make long story short um our parents expected the best of us in academics in pe math history whatever it was and in pe class at Coach DeClord in seventh grade said, if you run hard, you're going to get A or B. But if you mess around and goof around, you're going to get there. After you run around this baseball field, go to the middle of the campus, finish up around the uh, softball field, and then finish in the middle of the campus. So you have to keep an eye on people. And my two oldest brothers were running. They were wearing a T-shirt that says Roosevelt Junior High, and I want to get that A. So I ran as hard as I can and mm-hmm. ended up running a 520 mile. And <laughs> he kind of had to double, take a double look at the watch, and he goes – you're going to go to the Olympics. I'm like, uh, A? I didn't speak English, so I'm like making the signal of A, you know? Hey, did I get an A? Did I get a T-shirt, you know? <laughs> and, the, and the rest is history. And he, he called the high school coach, Ed Ramos, and he says, we have an Olympian here. This little one is better than the to all this one. So and that's, the rest is history. That's how my running got unfolded. Oh, that's awesome. So, Meb, the name of your wonderful new book is 26 Marathons, with each chapter detailing each of the marathons you ran as a professional runner. But unlike many retired pros, you've added to your marathon count since your retirement. So tell us about running the 2018 Boston Marathon, which you ran for Martin Richard, the Martin Richard Foundation. Um, and tell us a little bit about that awful weather um, in 2008. <laughs> well, it was awful weather for... Uh people that were running but for me but it wasn't awful for desi so congratulations to desi on that mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah no it was uh, uh 26 marathons what i have learned through faith identity running and life through my 26 competitive careers but i was at one point burnt out that i wanted to do any more marathons and uh but i got an email from uh, bill richards martin richards for dad like no, probably like september or august even the 2017 I was getting ready to do my 26 marathon in New York City I'm like I just want to get over with this marathon I don't think I want to do any more marathon at least in the, in the near future maybe down two three years down the road maybe I'll do for the foundation but I got that email which I got to know his dad really well and different functions from charity teams and I just you know get an email from him meant a lot and 
on the fifth anniversary, I, I, I run it for Martin Richard Foundation and to bring awareness and the causes, no more hurting people, peace, what a young man he was and way ahead of his time. So I ran the Boston Marathon 2018. The weather was rough. At least when I, I'm like, oh, good. I don't have to warm up on this, you know, to try to be competitive. So I was smiling a little bit. And then when I get, I try to avoid the puddles here and there, but then it was just like, just run through it. <laughs> and then I had the hand warmers on my hand that, that just, you know, shut down from the rain. It just shut the hand warmers off, which I was hoping to have it for the rest of the marathon, maybe even afterward. So mm. about three miles into the wood, it was shut. The, the warm area, the warmth was gone. And I was hyperthermic probably down the road. I started seeing the lights probably about 19, 20 miles. And I saw about 21, I think I was 20 or 21 mile. And I saw a cardboard that says Desi Wan, not kidding. And I just like, yay. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. And then and I saw the winning time on the man, uh, Yuki from Japan. And I said it was like 2.15 something, almost 2.16. I'm like, wow, that was a missed opportunity. I won that race. <laughs> so, so that's what that journey that I had, but it was a great purpose to be able to just do fundraise and bring attention to Martin Richard Foundation, which i uh, happily to do. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So so let's stick with the Boston Marathon in 2014 and marathon number 19 that you detail in your book. As you're heading down Boylston Street to the finish line to be the first American to win that race in more than 30 years and just one year after the bombings, I got to ask, could you hear all of us standing and cheering go Meb go at our computer screens, like urging you on? <laughs> I mean, I just remember I was I mean, you know, it's like when when my husband yells at the Kansas City Chiefs on TV, I'm like, they can't hear me, honey. I'm like, Meb can hear me. I know he can. <laughs> I did. And I kept picking it up. <laughs> yeah, now that was a magical moment. I know to think back of that day you know it was a greater purpose than myself uh, for the city of boston for the running community community internationally and nationally you know we all have you know i, I title this we all have our day when everything clicks if you recognize when it's happening you can produce something that's bigger than yourself and for me i remember at miles five the kenyans the ethiopians were trying to slow it down i said you know i came with three goals in mind to win top three or run a personal best and if i'm going to do that i need to push as hard as they can and they let me go. They kind of made, I think they made a mistake. I'm, I'm telling them, I can't believe they're making the, this is the biggest mistake they're making in their life. You know, they don't, they know that I want to go. They don't know I have a silver medal. I can't believe them. But I said, as I kept pushing and pushing, I said, well, if they're going to catch me, I'm going to make them earn it. <laughs> I just kept pushing and pushing. And not that Boston is point to point course, not that I know how far I was ahead, but I kept pushing. And, you know, that about mile, 15 or 60 mile 16 at the Boston Marathon if we make the right hand turn that 520 mile that I my god given town that I talked about earlier was 431 and 10 miles to go but when the weight of the nation's on your back and you, you people are chanting USA USA people are doing waves you get emotional you start, start chanting you fisting my bump and I'm like USA USA I'm like concentrate on the race concentrate on the race you know <laughs> But then you see people just doing the waves about Boston College and just people know what they feel, USA, USA. And it was a thrill of a lifetime. But you think you get emotional, but at the same time, you're like, oh, my goodness. I, I, I got to hold on to this. I got to hold on to this. And it got close and close. But, you know, people tell me where they were every day, how they cheer for me, whether it was at the computers or they were at the stands or they were um at mile five or mile 10 when i was racing they heard that i won and 
it was just amazing. And I felt blessed that God gave me the glory to be able to carry the victim's name on my bib. Uh, technically, you're not supposed to do that, but it went viral once I wrote the four victim's name. And I draw the inspiration for them. Every time I look down on my thighs or looking down, I think you're doing it for them, you're doing it for them. Just keep pushing and you put your body through a lot. But the sound coming to, you know, common Commonwealth or uh, Hereford or Boston Street is just a dream come true to be able to chant USA, USA. It's not over till, till the tape touches your chest, but, you know, you are hopeful. And obviously I, those tape could not come fast enough, but in the last <laughs> 200 meter, I'm like, I'm loving this one. Keep going, keep going. But I was just thankful, looking to the heavens and say, God, thank you for giving me this opportunity and for allowing me to be the first one across the finish line. It was my dream to win the Boston Marathon, to do it on that day on April 21st, 2014, mm-hmm. after the year after bombing. Uh, you have to pinch me how it all came together for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a really beautiful thing to watch. So thank you for taking us through that. Um, so as we often do, we're going to ask questions gathered from the Another Mother Runner community on Facebook. Uh, but in the that slew of questions we got, I have to share two comments from there. A woman named Sarah Day said, Tell Meb we love how kind and giving he is to his fellow runners and fans. And then Joy, who was lucky enough to be at the finish line in both 2013 and 2014, I got the sense she was probably in the stands. She said, Thank you for never giving up, always giving your all, showing us little folks it's possible. So... Wow. That's, uh, very, very thoughtful of them. And uh, it's an honor to hear their voice, you know, people to kind of express to you where they were, how, how, you know, that race or Silver Medal or New York win has changed, changed them, encouraged them because, you know, sometimes 2008 was a, a one of my lowest career when I couldn't make the, uh, my prime time, my prime age, couldn't make the Olympic team. But I always tell people just stay faithful and stay helpful and never give up if you can do that good things are waiting, but, you know, you have to go to the valleys to realize how grateful you are when things are taken away from you. You appreciate even more greater. So, and I talk about those in the 26 marathon and others, but I just love my runners. Uh, you know, they have, they inspire me equally, you know, um, people we encourage each other. We support each other. We encourage each other to get the best out of ourselves. That's excellent. So um, going to our, our Facebook page and, and um, checking in with some of these questions, Kelsey would like to know how you balance running and family. It's obvious that family is very important to you. Oh, I mean, I, I, family is very important to me, but I would be remiss if I didn't say a lot of my credit goes to my wife, Yordano, who when I travel a lot or when she does a lot of our financial work and you know around the house and all those things that, that goes household, she she puts it together for me and uh, just, she just give me the freedom to be able to do what I love and inspire others and encourage others. But, you know, it's very important for me to take the kids to school, become from school and be there Monday to Thursday or whenever I can. And then unfortunately, or fortunately the, the running world is in the weekend. So I travel quite a bit, but in some marathons they have gone with me, they have experienced it with me and beyond this, what the classroom has to offer. But, uh, you know, I try to live a balanced life. And that's been my case since I was at high school, when I was student athlete at UCLA and as a professional and a husband and a father, I tried to do that. But, you know, uh, that's, that's my best. I try to maintain excellent balance. That's, I try to live by my name. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not good enough. But at the same time, I try to do the best that I can. And some people acknowledge it. And I'm uh, very grateful for that for uh, so people say to thank for your wife and their kids for you sharing with us this weekend and things like that. So 
it means a lot and uh, I try to be there for my kids as much as I can. That's wonderful. That's great. We um, oftentimes in, in the Another Mother Runner, Runner community talk about uh, that there's good and there's good enough. So I love that you uh, <laughs> you, you are right there with us. Um, well, it's like a marathon, you know. Sometimes you feel like, yeah, I, I had a home home run or nailed it. And other times you're like, oh, I did not do better. So that's what life is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly, yeah. exactly. So in, in keeping with that, um, you know, here at AMR, we know that mother guilt is real. And Gretchen wants to know, um, do you have dad guilt? sometimes dad guilt i mean i'm pretty sure i do i mean uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> know whether you uh you say something and and you regret it you know and uh, sometimes you spend time with them and you know you hopefully oh hopefully that's good enough for them because you know you can do other things as well you know but at the same time you know try to cherish their family life as much as you can and you know, you know, the, I, I really do. I really do cherish my kids uh, more so now than when I, they were younger. But at the same time, they can, they can express what they want, what they need. And, you know, I'm, all, I'm ready to oblige to that now. That's great. So um, a question from Julie. She would like to know how you teach balance to your, to your girls in setting goals and expectations, given all of your achievements. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I we you know we try to tell them get give it your best. I mean, at the end of the day, the grace they get or um, the effort that we're more concerned about the effort versus oh you got a B plus or C plus. That's whatever, what not you know we want them to be for excellence. I mean, both my wife is high achiever, my I'm including my and myself a type A personality, you know. But at the same time, just kind of realize they're their own individuals. And yeah, I mean, would you like for them to be parallel to your ideas and things like that? Sure, you know. And the expectation is higher, and sometimes I do forget their kids, you know. And I have to, <laughs> I have to kind of scale it back and say, you know, don't get too disappointed. And but you know, and I get I get mad at times. I'm just a regular dad and or disappointed. And but at the same time, try to to appreciate what they're doing and, be, you know, be there for them at, at the same time. And maybe sometimes you have to go with an apology the next day. Mm-hmm. That's good to hear that um, I'm not the only parent that has to apologize <laughs> after the fact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, my goodness. All right. So, so Maureen wants to know, do you always feel as positive and upbeat as you seem or at times do you feel a need to fake the positivity a bit? <laughs> So, so no i'm not always as positive as a uh, beat you know uh when i'm i'm on and I'm on and you get i get energy from the free people but mm-hmm. you know if your energy is high and then uh, you earn that energy it's like you know when you see runners and say hey good job let's go why not that person mm-hmm. might have cramp or uh was walking but then you hear that you you motivate them to keep another five steps maybe jog you know you get them started but the same thing with life i mean sometimes i'm a very energetic person and other times i'm not you know you draw for inspiration and try to learn from others and uh you know i usually have quotable runners that i do and um you know but at the same time when i'm around the house i I have my down times, but, you know, <laughs> you know, trying to, it depends on what's going on around the house, whether it's positive or not negative and mm-hmm. just the or, ordinary household that goes on. So, mm-hmm. you know, but when you are work, you try to be the positive, positive energy you can, but, and then when things mm-hmm. are not going well at home, I'm not as positive as I should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So you alluded to, um, 
2008 and, you know, coming off that rough patch, those couple of years when you're dealing with injury, it's a situation so many mother runners can relate to. So I know they'd love to hear how you coped both physically and mentally with, with um, being injured and having kind of um, not the results in races that you were hoping for. Oh yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's very difficult, you know, for me, I give all that I have from my first win. You know, I, I even dropped out one, a race, uh, London, London marathon, 2007 and hoping that, you know, this is too, too tough. I'm going to risk my injury and my, I might tear my Achilles. So it's not worth it. And you, you do everything, try to do everything you can. And you, you recover from that. You work hard. You have the best summer of your best summer you ever had probably. And then you're like, okay, I'm ready for that win. You go to the trials. You, I overworked. I know I overworked. I was too lean to for too long. I cut my weight down really hard, and I was there in that in that shape from July all the way till November, and I overdid it, and I got basically fried, and you know I had a pelvic stretch fracture, which I'm pretty sure I didn't have. I didn't have enough calories. I had low vitamin D, calcium, all that stuff that I talk in the book, um, but. You know, that uh, devastation uh, of losing my good friend, Ryan Shea. And so going to the Olympic was not a big deal. Life is, life is bigger than anything. And uh, so that kind of puts in perspective. But, you know, never give up on your dream. I remember I was not even on my, I could not stand up. I was on my knees and elbows crawling from one place to another because I could not put weight on my, on my body. And I had to use my hand to shift from one side of the bed to the other. Um, but... You have to evaluate what internally you have, the drive. I knew from training that that was not my best. You know, just like we talked about the dad not being the best, even though he had expectations higher. Sometimes failure kind of teaches you those things to be humble or to be, don't take things for granted and makes you appreciate even greater. So ever since, um, I have to rehab my, my body. And, and uh, I couldn't go to the 2008 Olympics. But I said, New York City Marathon was going to be my Olympics. It's going to be my gold medal. I'm going to go for it. And to have the silver medal there, to have the four-time Boston champion there, to have the second fastest guy on the planet there, it was a great honor to be stacked field. And, and, and I, go, I went for it. That was my, uh, you know, if you ask my personal gratification, that was it. Because for me, that was my goal to win New York City Marathon. And to be able to do with that stacked field was huge. And to wear that USA jersey on and, Chanting USA, USA, going on uh, uh, Central Park was huge, and it gave me a great honor to be able to be the first American to win it in 27 years. But you know, you have to be thankful for. I'm a lot more grateful for that 2008 trials because that kind of something was got taken it away from me. Maybe I was a little bit too confident, or why not? Or I think I could do it all. But you know, when something's taken, then you reminisce yourself like okay i gotta scale it back and you have a greater appreciation so anybody if you guys are challenging or having difficult times the reason i went overboard is because i was driven to work hard to win and i know you're trying to finish or trying to get that extra miles and things like that but once you recover don't give up on those miles that you put in and they're going to carry you for the next marathon or for the next year that's coming nice so Becky would like to know what inspired you to keep going to Marathon 26 and now beyond. Well, I, you know, my first marathon was in New York, 2002. I say after I finished, I went for the win. I hit the wall. I went slower and slower and slower. The finish line couldn't get fast enough. I was we usually go about 30, 31 minutes for, for 10 kilometers. That, 
that was 37 minute or so the last 10k so I was just crawling in. I never, ever wanted another marathon. My mom was there. My dad was there. My mom says, no more marathon for you. 5K, 10K, no problem. You can do it, but no more marathon. I couldn't have agreed with her that time. <laughs> I, was just, I was just in pain. And, uh, but I tell my coach, uh, Bob Larson, he said, this is my first and last. He just kind of giggled and says, I heard that one before. You were, <laughs> were in the lead on 16th mile, 17th mile. You would come back, but I'm like, no way, I'm not. And then. Eventually, just came back to Eritrea. I went to Eritrea with my mom for a month and a half, and then I saw how people were living day in, day out. Survival, you know, no electricity, no running water. I said, you know what? Don't take things for granted. That was just a temporary discount. I was got motivated. I got motivated by the Eritrean people to do something better, and I was excited to do the Boston Marathon. But coach talked me out of it because it was a tough course because I'm New York. My first marathon, I missed it by 35 seconds to get the A standard for the Olympics. So I'm like, I got to do another marathon to get 35 seconds? That's horrible. You know? So all this was challenging. So we went to Chicago, and I did the Chicago Marathon around 210.03. and improved by over two and a half minutes. And I said, you know what? This is not as bad as I thought it would be. And then I was super metal at the Olympic Games. And then I'm like, oh, this could be fun. And I kept going. But I didn't plan to do the 26th marathon. And then eventually, when I was probably a mile 20th marathon is when I said, maybe I could do 26 because people, people ask, uh, how far is the Boston marathon? How far is the New York City marathon? How far is the, you know, Dallas marathon? I said, they're all 26.2. Some of them are flat, some of them are hilly, some of them are just uh, downhill. But uh, in honor of that, I decided to do one marathon for each mile. So people know it's 26 marathons means 26 miles. Nice. Teach them, teach them all a lesson. So, so all of us don't have to answer that question. Yes, that marathon is also 26.2. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. For doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Laura on our Facebook page uh, asked, what is your favorite race other than the major marathons and the Olympics? Well, I, I love Famous Road Race. Falmouth Road Race is seven miles, great. Uh, Beach to Beacon is another one, but uh, more of a community. I love Big Seven. Big Seven in Davenport, Iowa. I've been doing it since 2002. I won a few times. Uh, you know, people go to Iowa, but the community, you know, you see this Super Bowl banners and things like that. They have the banner that says Big Seven, run with the best. And their community is behind it. The Quad City does an amazing job. So um, in terms of scenery, uh, I love and then in terms of community events, uh, Big Seven was hard. You know, it was great. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so Anna, and they got hills, and they got big hills. They think, oh, Iowa cornfield, yeah. whatnot. And I was looking, big hill, big hill, Brady Street, Brady Street. Uh, and they have a challenge relay and stuff like that. It was great, but they think I was looking at the flight, uh, the telegraphy of the of the of the course. And you go, oh, you're going to Iowa's fat as a pancake and cornfield. But I said, not what the, according to this chart. And they were right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so uh, Anna would like to know on the topic of, of um, races other than majors and, and the Olympics, do you have any bucket list races that you have yet to run? Um, yeah, there's a few others. You know, I am part owner of the rock and roll. I mean, not rock and roll. Calls about 5K and Silicon Valley half marathon, but there's other things that I want to do. I think uh, Bloomsday is uh, as I know I done the uh, Cherry Blossom, but not competitively. That's another good one that I have done. And uh, you know, Utica 15K. So people talk about it, but there's other races that are you know in exotic places, whether it's Paris or you know uh, 
you know, in Norway or other place that I would love to go visit and do. And but, you know, shorter races I'm good with. I don't want to do marathons though, unless there's a cause behind it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so Bloomsday has an enormous hill. So um, is it? Oh yeah. my! Oh, it's yes. Uh, toward the end, and and it just seems to go on forever. So, um, <laughs> so Katie wonders what is the key to a long and enjoyable running career, and that's you know something so many mother runners are striving for, being able to run a long time as a master's age athlete. You know, uh, back in the days, people used to say, "Go that extra mile, put in the extra mile." I, I don't agree with that. As we get older, you know, when you're getting somebody motivated, maybe that's the case. But as we get older, I think it's better to run one less mile and do it more occasionally, you know, just instead of running six miles, run five miles and stretch before and after so you can avoid injuries. And also to, you know, as much as you can run on soft surface, you know, even for me, sometimes I live in the hills in San Diego and uh, I drive down just a mile down. So I don't have to run it downhill before my body's warm. I don't mind running up, but going down your knee, the impacts on your knee. So be smart about that. And obviously change your shoes frequently as you can because, you know, you don't want to be having holes in them and, and uh, not have an absorption on your, on, your, on your joint. Invest in that and then invest in once in a while to do massage or prehab instead of rehab. You know, I talk about metaphor mortals, a lot of that, but my, my other book that is and be able to just uh, enjoy yourself, have fun, you know, make run with people. When you run with people, you have something to share and the camaraderie that brings together running is huge and just do it consistently. Just make a regiment. Those are probably the four or five tips I would recommend. You are, you are, a, you're a mother runner in disguise, Matt, because we are all, <laughs> we are all about running with people, having fun, the prehab, yeah. instead of rehab. So, you know, we're just going to have to get you in another mother runner shirt and, uh, <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, on the subject of, uh, masters runners, um, Sandy's wondering how you manage fatigue and she says she's running her third marathon at almost 50 and she's overwhelmed by how tired she is. What would, what advice would you offer her? I would recommend that, you know, fatigue is part of the sport. It's going to get it at one point or another, especially in a marathon, but you'd rather get a mile 21 versus mile 13, which I talk about in, uh, in my book that, uh, you know, like Rio experience or Boston 2017 for somehow, some ways it clicks and other times it doesn't click. So, but proper training, I would advise her to do proper training. You'd rather just get delay the fatigueness or the cramping or or lactic acid as long as you can till probably mile 21 or so, and then tough it out the last four or five miles versus, oops, what happened? Don't go out too fast. Be patient. You'd rather just go slower, slower, saying, feel good, feel good, feel good, feel good, until you say, you know what, I'm mile 19, I'm mile 20. Now I could try to push. Don't push a mile five, mile, don't push a mile seven or 10. Because if you do that, you're going to dig more di- more hole into the mental fatigue and then also physical fatigue. Uh, so patience is a virtue. And uh, I think people need to understand that you need to wait and wait and wait until you push. Sometimes, you know, you're rather a negative split. If you can run faster than the half marathon or the full marathon, you're going to be better off physically, mentally, and emotionally, and you're going to recover faster and you're going to have a better finish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In, in reading your book, 26 Marathons, I, I was struck by 
you know, that, that, you know, for, so for mere mortals, like, like uh, Amanda and me, that we, you know, kind of set our time goal for a marathon and that we think, oh, okay, I want to finish it in this time. And that you, that so much of it is, um, when as a pro that your pace is, you know, if you can control the pace, but sometimes it's also dictated by what your competitors are doing. So could you talk a bit about that as, you know, what it's like to be, you know, like, okay, well, I'd like to finish Boston in, uh, you know, 208 or whatever, 206 or whatever. But if the field's going out slow or the field's going out faster, I mean, how do you, how do you handle that? Well, I think for elite runners, it's difficult to go on time. You know, you mm-hmm. can go off time like London or Chicago and stuff like that. But Boston, New York, which I've done the most uh, racing is, it's all about the title. You want to get there, to, you know, if you can win it or top three or top 10, have those mind goals. And then whatever the time is, time, you know. To this time, you ha- you ha- I did not talk about, I, I mentioned about the Boston victory a few times, but I have not said the time because mm-hmm. for elite, I already tell you the victory is more important than the time uh, mm-hmm. or the Olympic Games or New York or Boston. But, mm-hmm. you know, Boston was the only race that I ran my own race in 2014. The rest of the ones is like, okay, you have a pacer or you're trying to hit time or some, you're trying to cover somebody else's move. In fact, in 2006, at the Boston Marathon, I was chasing the Kenyans and I ended up running too fast, and I made the rookie mistake. I ran world record pace, uh, and then I looked at my watch halfway as a 102, 102.45. I said, it was going to be a great PR day, or it's going to be a <laughs> day. <laughs> it was tough. I went out back 107. That's why I tell, when I tell people you have to negative split it, imagine if I ran 106 and then came back 107, I could have potentially won that race. But you know, when you're going for competing, you don't have control of if three people go, one will make it, two might come back. If five people go, two will go one, two, and you might get third place because three will fall back. So you have to make those decisions. And it's tough decisions. There's no coach to tell you that. You just got to make up your mind, depending on how good you feel or how your body is, how much body can assess how much you have got to that finish line, whether it's a mile seven or mile 13, mile 17 or at 21 you got to make that decision sometimes it's a split second decision so for the mere mortals or for the people that want to get to the finish line you are in a better control than the elites because you can control your pace and say you know what i want to finish this goal this is the pace i'm going to go but for us it's like if somebody like i did for 31 miles mile 16 out of the boston Marathon 2014 or for 22 uh, miles 17 at the New York City Marathon in 2005. You know, those are the mind-boggling. But at the same time, you have to prepare and make those decisions because somebody else, you're making the move, or somebody else is making the move, and you have very quick time to react. And sometimes it pays off, and other times it doesn't. And both times for me has paid off because the whole point when I'm competing is get it down to few people as possible. So if somebody threw 4:22, and then I'm going to follow up with another. 435 even though i'm aching and pain but i'd rather get it down to five people versus dealing with 13 other people so and when you get five people said okay i just got to be two more and i get the podium so mind games is big when racing as an elite athlete just as is when people are going for the time okay i'm miles i'm miles 17 i i hit my pr i'm okay and then you hit the next one within five six seconds you feel good in fact oh, i feel good versus if you hit it by 40 seconds slower you're like oh I made too big of a mistake. So you have, you rather just run even pace and if you can, but when you are an elite athlete and competing, you can't, you don't have that privilege. Mm. Wow. So um, Arlene would like to know, um, do you pray while you're running? 
Do I pray when I run? Absolutely. And you know, even sometimes two different languages, whatever helps. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I mean, you pray like God help me get to that second group, or God get me to that finish, to that next mile, or God help me get to the top ten. Whatever you're thinking at that moment. Oh yeah, I pray a lot, and sometimes, like I said, my native tongue is Greenau or English, or you know, you hear people, you see cross or you see sign, and you say, oh yeah, I give them thumbs up because. You know they they're talking to you so yeah i think it helps personally mm-hmm. for me it does mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so do you use prayer rather than a mantra i use both i use both i pray and sometimes it's like you know i say run to win run to win and get beside yourself so whether it's hey god help me get to that to that podium position or say you know what hang in there hang in there you can do this you can do this and so you repeat yourself you know getting the best idea stuff you can you can close the gap you can close the gap so you go back and forth mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i like that mm-hmm. i like that so <laughs> so kathy on facebook um told us that we have to ask about the epic finish line fall and push up <laughs> um, show off at the brazil olympics um she says i think that moment put a smile on the face of the world and truly showed what a wonderful soul he is Oh, that's very sweet, Kathy. Thank you. But uh, yeah, if you can't win a medal, I guess you got to do a push-up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's what happened, you know. That was a tough race. That's one one other another tough race that I had. Uh, probably one of the toughest races. Um, I felt great. My training was epic going into it, and uh, uh, I was 41 years old. And the tougher the conditions, the more I do well on. But that day was not the case, and. Uh, halfway through the race, I was one of five change. I said, you know what? I feel great. I think I could replicate the same pace for the next half marathon. I could run 210, and I think I could challenge for the podium. And then a minute later or two, I got, I feel like, hit hive. I started throwing up, but nothing would come out. I tell Jerry, mm. Jerry, word my teammate, let me out, let me out, because I don't want to throw up on somebody who was in front of me. So let me out, let me out. <laughs> next thing is I was on my knees, and my hands were on my knees. It's like, and, uh, and then I go another, I said, don't panic, don't panic. You got fourth place at the London Olympic from coming from behind. So don't just, just don't let them go. Just close the gap. And I ran 508, 508 back to back. And then it happened again. So it's like people cheer you on. Runners encourage you. It was like a victory lap that I never had at the Olympic Games. People just know who you are. They cheer on you. They encourage you to go. And then I stopped like seven times. People say, go USA, go USA from different countries. And at the finish, uh, there was at the carnivore area on the street. I looked forward. I said, I can't catch that guy. I looked back. I said, that guy is not going to catch me. So like, enjoy it. Enjoy it as much as he can. And uh, you know, it was wet. It was slippery. So I'm not sprinting. That's why I looked ahead and behind me. Just And I said, you know, in honor of Joni Bonoy, who took her hat off when she won the gold, I said, this is my last Olympic. I'm taking my hat off. And then as I took my hat off, I, my knee, my left knee went down. My right leg went to the side. And it was just dead silent quiet and I thought about it and the finish line is right in my eye level almost I'm like I got dragged myself to get my chest to the finish line and I said I gotta let them know I'm okay I gotta let them know I'm okay and I did the push-up and I got the loudest cheer I'm just wondering I'm not okay and then literally I realized that you know I, I dragged myself to the finish like a, like a football and then the timing chip is on my, on my, on my foot. <laughs> so I did lay myself a few seconds down there, you know, forgot that a runners, it's not, the, it's, it's a chest for the tape, but for the timing purpose, it's on your feet. <laughs> so, but everybody was elated that, you know, to, to 
like a lemon out of lemon, you know, just I had a really bad experience and seven fall, eight, eight, seven stops, a fall at the end. But, you know, to be there to finish, because when you're wearing that USA jersey, you got to say, you know what, how many people love to be in your position? My daughters were there, my wife was there, and, and, and it meant a lot for me to get to that finish line. It's not the way I wanted to go to the Olympics, but you have at least an appreciation. And when I went and visited the White House, the Obamas even acknowledged President Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama saying, great job, finish, we're proud of you, and how it was meaningful to do the interview with the girls there. So it meant a lot. Mm. Mm. That is neat. Yeah. Um, so Jessica would like to know, what's the best thing about being in retirement? <laughs> the best thing, three things, the best thing about retirement. Well, maybe more than two things. One is I could like today I haven't run yet. Uh, I was busy doing stuff this morning. Uh, so run whenever I want to run and eat. And the other ones eat whatever I want to eat. If I want to have wine, if I want to have a beer, if I want to just have dessert, I'm okay with it. But as before, I was on a very, very strict diet uh, because especially as I got older, there were no issues. Metabolism slowed down and I got to watch my figure and got to be the same weight <laughs> and all that stuff. But now it's like, you know what, uh, for me, I, I paced my brother over the weekend, the half marathon. He's doing his first one. And uh, I'm just enjoying the just exercise. And my daughter walked it. She wanted to run about me. Uh, and I decided to let her walk with her aunt Ruth. Um, but no, I mean, I love getting out the door. I love, uh, I still enjoy, love, enjoy running exercise and it gives me a positive energy. Oh, that's awesome. So was that one of your two older brothers who you ran the half marathon with? The yeah. Two? Oh my, my gosh. Older brother, he did his first one. He was a soccer guy and he ran cross country and track, but soccer was his passion, but he's kind of fallen in love with it now and, uh, helping with his, uh, new life change experience going on. And then, uh, yeah, he gave me the tip before any coaches about breathing and all that when we were just at Bobo Park, uh, yeah. with the full locker is and, uh, to be able to, you know, when we warm up for soccer and things like that. So, uh, that was a kind of return the favor for him. Yeah. I, that's, helped him, that's... I, I helped him coach him for the last six, he's like six weeks ago. I want to run the marathon. What's your input? What can I do? <laughs> and I'm like, well, we're going to put you on crash course and get you into the finish line. He wanted to break two hours and, end up running 152 and change uh, and that was in a half marathon yeah correct yeah 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 so wow six weeks of training from meb that <laughs> that was yeah. definitely they have, they have they have the six seven minute app and why not we're gonna do six weeks training get you to the half marathon uh, train program <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first people that's the way to do it okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness well it has been just an absolute delight to talk with you meb thank you so much Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Amanda, for having me. And, uh, oh, it has been fun. Another, another runner. Keep up the great work. You guys are great. And, you know, it's all about getting out the door, tying your shoes and making friends and getting the best out of yourself. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. And, and happy Father's Day to you. Yes. Oh, thank, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Oh, Amanda, I don't know about you, but I am just on a natural high after that conversation. What a lovely man. He really is. There's just so much joy in everything that he says. And, it, I, you know, he's, and he's humble and he's, and he's empathetic. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Just, yeah. And a good dad. And, you oh, know, I mom. know. And a real dad, <laughs> a real dad, you know, the, right. the saying that he had to apologize the next day. I'm like, Oh, me too, Matt, me right. too. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I apologize by text. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, it's, I am going to be buzzing for quite a while. It's going to take me a while to come down off of this. Um, so sure. anyway, well, so let's hear what Dimity is up to in the train, like a mother club. 
Hey everybody, it's Dimity here, and instead of heading to the Train Like a Mother Club corner, we're headed over to the Mother Runner of the Month. We actually have a pair of BRF's best running friends, Hillary Rasmussen and Jen Fisker-Anderson. They are um, a pair of Seattle-based mother runners, and I'm super excited to talk to them. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Well, so Hillary, um, you talk first, please, and you actually nominated your friend Jen, and I was like, well... You sound pretty special yourself. So tell us why you nominated Jen for, um, for an award. Thank you. Well, I just recently signed up for one of the Train Like a Mother programs, the half program for a half I'm doing this fall. And somehow in the course of going through all, there's a lot of emails in the beginning, which is great. But in going through those, I came across this Mother of or Mother Runner of the Month award. And I don't, I don't normally do this kind of thing, but I just kind of read it. And I was like, that's Jen. Jen, Jen deserves this award. Um, and so, you know, I thought I'm going to send in a nomination and um, I sent it. I forgot about it promptly after that because I figured nothing would come of it. And I was I was so shocked when I got your email and so excited to share it with her. Um, Jen is just I mean, she's the epitome of a BRF. Um, we met probably about eight years ago um, at an event at our church and, and figured out we both like running and talked about it for a long time. And um, <laughs> I remember at the time thinking, you know, we had been running about the same amount of time at that point. And Jen had done, I mean, I had run like a couple half marathons and Jen was like, oh yeah, I did Ragnar. I did Ragnar in the Rockies. I did Hood to Coast. She'd done like five marathons. I remember thinking, wow, I really like this lady, but we'll never run together because she's way out of my league. Um, thankfully, that's not how the story ended. And um, we started running together. Well, we did a relay together. So we ran together off, um, off and on after that. And we started running together more regularly, uh, gosh, about two years ago, and to, to the point now where it's weekly or, or more than that. And um, I nominated Jen because throughout that time, she has just been um, a, a rock kind of for me in my life. She is, she would never, you know, she's very unassuming. She would never, she probably wouldn't would never nominate herself for this kind of thing but she is just always um caring caring for me caring for our other friends always supportive always willing to listen to hear whatever has been going on in our lives um patience grace um acceptance um and we both have uh, as we discussed uh, as it discussed in my nomination we've both uh experienced just some unique parenting situations with um our kids, um, my, my kids are both autistic and her daughter has anxiety. And so that's just kind of a unique bond that we have being able to share. There's a lot of similarities um, that we've experienced. And it's so great to have somebody that is always willing to listen and share her wisdom. She's a little further down this path than I am and never makes me feel dumb for asking a question. And she's just always there. So um, and of course, all of this happens in the context of running because we both love to run. We both, it's, you know, it's, it's a huge part of our lives and it's so great that we get to do it together. So she had a birthday recently and we said, oh, what are you doing for your birthday? And she had that typical mom answer like, well, not much because I'm pretty much <laughs> taking care of my family. And so I was like, oh, you know, I really want, she should be celebrated. So I was, I was so glad when I came across this and kind of on a lark decided to go through with it. That's awesome. Well, well, happy late birthday, Jen. Um, and um, I mean, talk to me because you are, you guys have a little bit of an age gap, right? I mean, there's like, is there 13 years between you? I think it's about 12. Well, yeah. 
depends upon when your birthday's fallen, but right, yeah, okay, exactly. so 12 or so. So yeah, so talk about, you You are the one that's a little bit further along in your life um, <laughs> journey, right? I, I won't say you're uh -huh. well, you are older. Okay, so so talk about, I mean, because um, Hillary brought up your perspective as parenting and that, that really stood out to me when she wrote about it because I think there's such a connection when you run with somebody, regardless of whether or not you have similar life you know, circumstances or conditions or whatever. But when you do have that and you have the intimate bond that running brings, I mean, it's almost just magical, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, our runs have been um, very therapeutic for me. I'm sure for her too, but um, yeah, my daughter has been struggling um, for a few years now. And, you know, for a while I felt like I was alone and trying to figure out what was going on with her and didn't really have anyone in a similar situation. And um, while I don't like the fact that Hillary also has some of the same challenges, um, it's just been nice to have her to um, just be able to compare notes. Her kids are a lot younger, so I feel like I, I really like being able to talk to her about what I wish I had known when my daughter was um, the age of her sons. And um, I feel, yeah, I feel like I've learned a lot in um, the journey with my daughter. And I'm just, it, it makes me happy that I can pass along some of that information and mm -hmm. that I can just reassure her. Um, that she is a fantastic mom. She is, you know, doing a great job for her son. So yeah, a lot of it is just, you know, being able to, I don't know, just, just help build each other up in our journeys with our kids that um, comparing information, we both do a lot of um, reading and researching and just, you know, it's just a good, it's a good match. We're just, um, just really help each other. Good, good. Well, and I imagine that it's not all, you know, um, serious all the time. I mean, do you guys have some good Definitely laughs on your not. runs as well? Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yes. Like anything come to mind about a recent run or something that had you guys laughing, whether it was a circumstance or a joke or a situation? Uh, well, we <laughs> recently, you know, I had one of those Facebook memories pop up. I think it was two years ago that we did the Hood to Coast Washington relay. And I was just laughing to myself because I had, you know, it popped up, oh, Hood to Coast, this is so great, such a great experience. And then all these hashtags of things that were clearly inside jokes that were hilarious to us at the time. And I'm reading <laughs> them back thinking, what in the world does that mean? Like, what were we thinking? I know we were running on pretty much no sleep. So of course, everything is 10 times funnier then than it probably would be now. But um, I was just, it was fun. It was a fun, even though I was like, I don't remember what these jokes were. It was fun to remember that we had them. Exactly. Well, and, and you said Jen, that would part you. So Hillary, when you nominated Jen, you talked about how she's always like, you know, kind of your travel agent as far as like preparing the routes. <laughs> that's a, that's a good description. Yeah. All those, you know, all those things. And, and Jen, talk about um, what you did at the, was it the Bellingham Marathon? Was that the right name? Yeah, of it? Bellingham Bay Marathon this last fall. Yeah. So there was four of us uh, BRFs that um, made a weekend out of it, went up to Bellingham, um, got a hotel. About 10 o'clock, we were all settling in. I, I think we, most of us had just fallen asleep and then fire alarm goes off. So we have to evacuate, um, which was uh, That's crazy. Funny. There was other runners in our um, 
in our hotel too. You could kind of tell once we were down. A lot of annoyed runners. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I I was kind of thinking ahead, thinking, what if we can't get back into our room? So I put on my running shoes. I think I made sure I was in clothes that I could run in. Oh, and I had your watch. Yeah, but um, my uh, my BRFs, <laughs> they uh, they had fun with that because no one else thought to do that, and they. Yeah, I know I would be standing out there in like my PJs, no sports bra, you know, like uh, bare feet, right? Like, what am I going to do? That's awesome. Um, And talk about, um, you guys love donuts. Is there a a particular flavor after donuts that you are after run that you like? (laughs) Oh, there's so many good ones. It's hard to choose. But we love, uh, yeah, there's a local donut chain that, that we both love. And actually, we, I was recently traveling in Illinois to my brother's college graduation. And Jen's brother happens to live in the same town. And she said, oh, there's this great donut shop. You've got to try there. So it's, you know, it's not even restricted to our hometown. We'll, you know, donuts anywhere, everywhere, you know, we'll, we'll share that with each other too. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, thanks, you guys. Thank, I think you're... Um, clear affection for each other that came through in the post and also just even on this little tidbit. Um, I think it's such a testament to BRFs and how deep those friendships run. And I just, I mean, one of the things that um, we asked you at the very end of the post is how to, how to find a running friend. And I thought you guys had some good advice. So if someone's looking for it, what would you tell them? What, what would you tell them, Jen? Um, well, yeah, my, my advice was actually for the longest time, um, I kind of ran myself. I love um, listening to podcasts. I found you guys in that process. Um, and I remember listening, because I've listened to you guys for years now and listened to you guys talking about BRS and kind of feeling like, oh, I don't really have one. Um, but, you know, I was content to um, sort of have that alone time to myself. Um, but I would say it just it just came sort of organically. I mean, the more people I talk to, I, I talk about running a lot. So <laughs> there's no mystery to my friends that I like to do it. But, you know, you just kind of start um, collecting runner friends. And um, definitely through Ragnar, grew, uh, grew closer um, to some of them. And, um, yeah, it just kind of, uh, after a while, I had... Um, you know, there's three really, really close friends that live close by and um, they're like, hey, let's go running sometime. And it just kind of started as sporadic runs and kind of became more and more routine is because once you get to know each other, kind of want to spend more time with each other. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, cool. Well, um, what's, so we have to know what's, do you have a race plan for this fall together or another Ragnar or something that you have queued up or anything on the books? Yeah, this is Jen. I'll talk because I have one in three days. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) I have a half marathon um, that I'm running on Saturday and um, I'm excited about that. Although it's just kind of going to be one of those not doing it for time, just getting out there and seeing what kind of shape I'm in. But um, yeah, all of us, there's um, four of us that are um, doing the Victoria um, half marathon in October. So Awesome. I've heard really good things about that. That should be fun. Up for that. Yeah, none of us have done it. So we're looking forward to a fun, fun weekend. Great. Well, enjoy it. Thanks again. Thank um, thanks, Jen and Hillary. And we're wishing you both and your little posse of BRFs many happy miles. Thank you very much. Thanks.
Okay, this is it. So excited. I don't know, Amanda, have I told you this, that we now have capris that are custom to AMR, that we had someone, we had a textile designer here in town design two different fabrics, and we had them custom made. They're being, they'll be custom made in Cambodia for us, and they have big pockets on the side, and there's two different lengths, because I like mine shorter, Dimity likes hers a little further down the calf, and she likes more subdued colors, so... Well, we just took our, you know, like what we like and we um, made them into capris. So those just hit our website on Monday. Um, we had to make a whole new tab for our Mother Runner store because we'd never had bottoms before. So I'm just right. really, really thrilled about this. So They're the, fly off the shelves, I think. I hope so. Yeah. And the deal is, is that we have to take pre-orders on them. And so that I, we start taking orders, on, like I said, on Monday, we're going to take orders through June 30th. And then we tell our factory in Cambodia what it is we want. And so then people, we wait about three weeks, hopefully three to four weeks, they'll show up here and then we ship them out. So um, patience is a virtue, but we figure maybe people won't be in, um, clamoring for, um, you know, long capris or slightly longer capris in the heat of the summer. In July, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we figure the timing is good. So, and also I do want to say that if you place a pre-order, the price is more reasonable than when we have them in stock. So it's key mm. to place a pre-order. So anyway, to, to see them, to see what I'm talking about, check them out um, and order yours. Go to motherrunnerstore.com. And like I said, click on that new tab. This is bottoms. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. And if it applies to you, happy Father's Day. Mm-hmm.